0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org.
1: So we are in the midst of a series on emotionally healthy communities. Um, And the goal of this series, just to remind you, is to challenge us and equip us to live emotionally healthy. And one idea to consider throughout this series is the idea that as Christians, um, there's a disconnect if we're spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. we don't want to have that disconnect. Um, one of the, some examples of what that disconnect could look like, and maybe you can relate to some of these. Maybe you've known people in your life that that uh, exemplify these things, or maybe you've dealt with them yourself, but. Um, spiritually healthy versus emotionally unhealthy could be someone who is a dynamic, gifted speaker for God in public, but at home an unloving spouse and parent. You know, or in church, maybe someone's in a church leadership role, um, yet they're defensive, unteachable, and insecure. Um, or maybe someone knows the Bible really, really well and And can even quote passages of scripture, but they're um, unaware of their depression or their anger issues. Or someone uh, maybe could fast and pray regularly, a very spiritually mature thing to do, right? But maybe they're constantly critical and judgmental, their emotional health is low. And so we want to give focus and attention to the emotional health in this series and make sure we're building that up as well. God cares about all of it. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, it says, um, May the God of peace sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. And so he wants all those, the soul is is the emotions, and he wants that also to be kept blameless. And so our discipleship must include growing in emotional health. So as a reference for you, we're borrowing a lot of content for this series from a book by Peter Scazzaro called The Emotionally Healthy Church. And we're looking at the seven principles of emotionally healthy community that he he puts in the book. Last week, Mark started off the series um, with principle one, which is looking beneath the surface. Sounds like you guys had some good discussion in your life groups already on that. And so this week, our second principle that we're going to look at is Um, break the power of the past. So in emotionally healthy churches, people understand how their past affects their present ability to love Christ and love others. They've realized from scripture and through life experience that there's a complex relationship between the kind of person we are today and our past. Many other influences may shape us, but often the family that we grew up in is the most primary and powerful system that shapes who we are today. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and to become a Christian, right, we're adopted into the family of God. Our, our sins are washed away. Um, but, but our past is not erased. He doesn't give us amnesia to for, you know, forget everything that has happened in our growing up years. He forgives our past, but it's not a race. And we're given a new start, but we do come in drinking spiritual milk. And we, we have to die daily to the parts of our lives that don't honor God and that aren't following Jesus. And so the reality is, is that we all come into the family of Jesus with brokenness and wounds from life. And God's intention is not to leave us in that place, but to heal our brokenness through Reparenting. And that is the good news of, of the sermon this morning is this reparenting with God as your father, as your good, good daddy, and the body of Christ as your spiritual family. And through these relationships you can become emotionally whole and find freedom. And we sang about it this morning. I loved it. We sang about you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. And we saying, I'm changed by your love in the presence of your majesty. That's that reparenting that we're going to talk about this morning. In his presence, we're changed by his love. And we can have different responses if the experiences we were taught are actually maybe emotionally unhealthy. So every family has been damaged. A lot of us grew up in amazing homes with wonderful parents. I mean, everyone sins and falls short of the glory of God, but... You know, many of us have just wonderful homes. I know I did. Um, but it they weren't perfect. Um, but the reality is we've all descended from the family tree of Adam and Eve. And what was their behavior after they disobeyed God? It was to shield themselves from God, from each other, defend themselves. And so... Um, this aim of protecting ourselves from God and others still can show up in different ways. And some of these ways I have on the screen here, through controlling, through I have to fix everything, through fear, withdrawing, um, ignoring, just denying, uh, pacifying, quickly, okay, everything, get it back to perfect peace, okay, just it's okay, everything's okay. Loneliness, anxiety, frustration, resentment, or blaming, Are a few ways, and it really takes courage to look at our family of origin in an objective way, in an honoring way. We're not doing it to dishonor them. It it can be difficult to begin noting uh, areas of areas of weakness in our families. Um, I think Joseph provides a good example of this. Remember, he was betrayed by his brothers, and. and he, he, I believe, that he went through this process of emotional health, growing in that to the point where he was able to tell his brothers, hey, you guys intended to harm me, but God intended it um, for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So that's a great example of, of that emotional healing. He, didn't, he, did, he wasn't stuck in a, a resentful place or an unforgiving place. He was actually... It's almost like he had a sense of thankfulness for his past and the ways it shaped him, a willingness to look back and move forward in a healthy way. And so one scripture um, that teaches us about the powerful connection between our past and our present can be found sandwiched in the Ten Commandments. Um, God says, For I the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. That's Exodus 25 and 6. And so I love that the blessings last a thousand generations. That's my favorite part of that verse. But if you're familiar with our healing and restoration ministry here at New Day that we offer, we We do pray through generational issues. That's one of the prayer tools that we have. Um, But we recognize that people inherit both uh, blessing and iniquity from their ancestors. Iniquity is an inner tendency toward the same sin. It doesn't mean they have to. It doesn't mean they are cursed that they will. It means that there's maybe a little bit more of an inclination toward some of the same patterns since we want to be um, aware of that. Okay, so um, what I want to do is look at two families from the Bible um, where we see this dynamic of both inherited blessing and sinful patterns playing out to give us kind of an example to work off of. So the first one is King David's family. How many of you are quite familiar with his story? Okay. Just off the top of your head, what are some patterns that you see in his generational line that we can read and see? Any come to mind? Yes. Oh, somebody said immorality. I don't know who. Right? Raise your hand if you see. Oh, okay, Shanna. <laughs> who else can think of one? It's okay if you can't. What was that?
0: No.
1: Okay. Anybody else want to throw one out there? Okay. Well, there's three. There may be more, but the three that um, I'm going to highlight for us this morning in our example is, first, there is this heart for God that we see. Um, David's father, Jesse, was clearly a believer. His mother uh, believed in one of the Psalms. David wrote, I worship you as my mother did. And so we see that his parents knew God to have a heart for him. David has a heart for God. He's known as a man after God's own heart. He wrote many worship songs that the Israelites used for generations and generations. And even though he did have some grave sins in his life, he repented and um, God puts our sin as far as the east is from the west. So he's remembered as a man after God's own heart. Solomon, David's son, starts out... Um, following God, asking the Lord for wisdom to rule the people, building the temple. But we start to see a breakdown in that that generational um, heart for God when he starts to um, worship the gods of surrounding nations. And then his son, Rehoboam, completely ignores the God of Israel, fully engages with idolatry. And so that ends up taking a turn. Um, But we also, there's another one, and you had mentioned it, immorality. There's sexual sin. Um, We know David committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then David's son, Ammon, raped his half-sister, Tamar. um, And also David's son, Solomon, had many wives and concubines, which was a direct disobedient. Uh, disobedience to God's law in Deuteronomy 17 17 that said that kings should not have many wives and Rehoboam Solomon's son also did the same thing and so we see this family pattern in the area of sexual sin that and you know that just continues um, and then the last one I want to point out is family division and sibling rivalry that was very prevalent in each generation David clearly had tensions with his brothers. Um, And Absalom, one of David's sons, ends up murdering Ammon because he raped Tamar. Um, And so the family's divided from that. There's division. And then Absalom is bitter, ends up proclaiming himself as king, sets out to kill his father. Quite a bit of family division, right? And then um, Rehoboam carries this pattern even further. And the once 12 tribes of Israel that were united are divided into the northern and southern kingdoms. And, um, and so that's another pattern. So reparenting is, is what I was touching on earlier. An example of um, what that could look like is... Um, is if someone, in maybe one of David's sons or something, saw that pattern and they were willing to look back and see, hey, this is something that's in my family. And they brought that to the Lord and said, Father, would you reparent me? Would you teach me how to have honoring relationships with my family? Would you develop in me a value and a love for unity? And allow Father God to reparent and, and reshape what was just kind of passed on and what they just picked up, right? Is this good? Mm -hmm. All right, one more family. Let's trace the family history of um, Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The stories of their lives can be found, you can read all about them, um, in Genesis chapters 12 through chapter 50. And here's another powerful example of generational blessing and sinful patterns being passed on. Again, three patterns that are quite evident. The first is lying, that one's quite obvious. Um, Abraham was um, very fearful about what would happen if the kings discovered that his wife was his wife, and so he denied that she was his wife. Isaac and Rebecca, their relationship, their marriage is full of lies and trickery. Jacob lies to pretty much everyone he's in relationship with. And uh, by the fourth generation, Jacob's sons um, fake the death of their youngest brother, Joseph. And so there's a real pattern there. So reparenting in that situation, let's say lying is kind of just this family dynamic, could... um, Look like something like, Father, I repent for the ways that I've been lying and the ways that I've, you know, engaged with this. I recognize that my family has a tendency toward lying and I'm actually afraid that if I tell the truth, something bad will happen. I don't know how they're going to respond. And so, teach me how to trust you with the outcomes and teach me to love honesty. And you can begin to be reparented in these ways. Um, so another example that we can kind of see in their generational line is this favorite child dynamic. So Abraham favors Ishmael. Um, and Sarah ends up wanting him removed from the family because of it. Isaac favors Esau. Rebecca favors Jacob. Jacob. Um, And then Jacob favors Joseph and later Benjamin. And then there's also um, the last kind of thing that we're picking up on this morning is this um, sibling rivalry and relational cutoff between brothers. That's quite a pattern too. It shows up in the three successive generations. The friction between Ishmael and Isaac um, eventually leads them to being cut off from one another Esau and Jacob become enemies after Jacob steals Esau's blessing now that is later restored years years later Um, but and then we see Joseph is cut off from his 10 older brothers for most of his adult life so there's this this breakdown and this cutoff so clear examples of sin passing from generation to generation right And so the implication for us as it relates to healthy community is this. That it's difficult to break free from the past if we don't understand the family we grew up in. It's difficult to break free from what we don't know we're bound by. And so the encouragement this morning is to say, hey, let's be willing to look back and grasp how powerfully our past affects our present Otherwise, we may replicate emotionally unhealthy patterns in our relationships and pass them on to the next generation. Um, And so as we look back, we can gladly pass on the good, and we can bring the the ungodly things before the Lord, repent for them, and allow him to reparent us. and as I said, otherwise, without realizing it, we may just continue those unhealthy patterns in our relationships and pass them on. So I have a helpful tool for us this morning. Um, a genogram is a tool that will help you gain awareness um, of the critical issues of your past. and It's a way of drawing a family tree Um, that looks at information about family members and their relationships over two or three generations. Um, So Bill, can you pass one out to everybody for me? Thank you. And so what you're gonna do is um, you describe your father and mother and a few general characteristics about their relationship How did they resolve conflict? How did they express anger? How did they um, parent their children? Um, What emotional and intense things affected them, such as maybe a childhood death or the death of a parent or someone in the family with extended medical needs? These all are things that are very shaping. Um, And so on the, um, let's see. I have one somewhere in my notes. Okay, here we go. So, on the back of the paper, draw a simple gen- genogram. And so, what you want to do, and here's an example of mine that I drew. So, it's my mom and my dad, and then my mom's mom and dad, my dad's mom and dad, so my grandmas and grandpas. And then I only have one great-grandparent that I even knew anything about. Um, my dad's mom, so, or my grandpa's mom. Um, and so it's mostly your mom, dad, and your grandparents. Unless, do any of you like know your great grandparents? Did anybody know? You did. Okay, that's pretty cool. That's, that's special. Okay, so what you do, and you don't have to do it right now, you could do it later today or this week, and maybe it would be a great thing to discuss in your life groups. But um, three adjectives uh, about your mom, your dad, and each of your grandparents and it just helps you raise awareness and and understand when i did this um i was really surprised um that the three words i used to describe my grandparents on my dad's side were like the exact words i would use to describe him and i'm like whoa that's a lot like me And the same thing with my mom. And I'm like, I am largely a product of my family before me. Um, But um, so there's a couple questions here. And then if you want, if you're really getting into this and you want to go even deeper, I have some extra ones down here um, for you to, to look at as well. But this last question, 14, outside your family of origin, what have been other major influences in your life? Because there's other things in our past other than our family of origin that can be really impactful. Um, for example, I was greatly influenced by a Christian group that I was involved with during college um, that was impactful in my past or my relationship with my coaches in middle school and high school sports. That was, that was really impactful. Um, you know, maybe a best friendship Or maybe a betrayal was was really a a key event in your past. Maybe uh, any divorce, or maybe a lengthy period of unemployment, a financial blessing, or financial hardship. Um, But how do these major influences from your past affect who you are in the present, both positively and negatively? It helps you look at that. Um, So there's. In, in the book, there's a record of a young pastor and his wife who, who made their geogra- genograms and looked at them, and this was their response. They said, We could not deny that there were positive contributions into our lives from our parents' marriages, but we were surprised by the unhealthy patterns we had also unconsciously picked up. Areas of our lives were undoubtedly not yet transformed, the life-transforming power of Jesus had not touched the areas that we did not have the ability to integrate and apply Scripture to. So I like that quote. All right, so I encourage you um, to make a genogram and see how your past is influencing your present. Um, As we're bold enough to look beneath the surface and realize because of our past, we may have a disposition toward a certain behavior There's that good news of reparenting. We're not doomed. We're not looking there to be like, oh, I have to be stuck in that. Um, Remember, we have a really good, oh, I was, sorry. I wanted to point out when you're making a genogram, if you had other, like, let's say you were raised by your mom and your stepdad, include your stepdad three adjectives about him, um, or... If you maybe had an aunt that was really influential in raising you but not really a grandma or something, then put that in there Um, so everyone's genogram will look a little bit different. Sorry to hop all over the place. (laughs) Okay, what were we talking about? That we're reparented by God, that we don't have to be stuck in those, that we can repent for the ways that we've joined in that and learn a new way of responding to the same situations in life Um, you know and if if you um you know if your dad really struggled with anger and angry outbursts and your grandpa did too and and you deal with that too well you know just um lord would you reparent me in that and help me learn new ways of responding to frustration um and he can do that. And so new ways of giving love, receiving love, so we can pass on an inheritance of blessing um, in our relationships and to the generations after us. Isn't this good? All right, so um, the last thing I want to talk about, and, and this is going to be kind of fun, just to get you ready... I have a little scenario that I want to role play through, so I'm going to need three volunteers, a husband and wife, and a narrator, so if you're kind of into um, acting a little bit, get, get ready to volunteer. And if you're not, begin like turtling into your sweater. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, So how does this dynamic affect a church community, right? We're in a church community together. Um, so how does this dynamic of our past affecting our present integrate into these relationships? Well, the first thing is that um, I think that we should be aware of this dynamic and um, realize that all these individuals that were sitting around a table with, are bringing their family histories with them and to have grace and love for one another and actually partner with God in the reparenting process for others. You're part of the spiritual family to um, help love them and show them a different way. For example, let's say that one of your brothers or sisters in church um, grew up feeling like they were a failure. Um, maybe, their, maybe their dad, for example, always came down on them hard every time they weren't perfect in school or in sports or whatever it might be with a chore. Um, this sense of, so they just, they're like, I'm, I'm not perfect. Um, well, part of that reparenting process and part of that spiritual family is you could come alongside that brother and sister and tell them, hey, You know what, you're a success and you're actually doing a really good job. You know, and when they make a mistake, respond with um, love to their weakness. And tell them, um, you know, respond with grace and patience when they mess up instead of criticism. And that brother or sister be like, oh, there's a different way. Isn't that good? So we can we can do that together. Um, so who wants to volunteer <laughs> to, there's a scenario. We've got Steve and Nancy. They're a married couple. And they've, they've kind of been doing this where they've discovered how their past was influencing their present. And so this is kind of a role playing scenario of that. Who, who wants to be my husband and wife? Um. I
0: was
1: going to get volun- pulled, I think. Anybody? I want to, but my wife's not here. Okay. So, Luke and Shanna have volunteered. Yay. And, Reuben, would you be our narrator? Okay, perfect.
0: <laughs>
1: okay, so. So you're Nancy and you're oh, Steve, and then you guys can share that mic and, um, and go for it. You can add a little bit of dramatic flair if you want, but you don't have to. Luke, you're not fooling anybody. <laughs>
0: Steve and Nancy are a married couple who have led a small group together for the last four years. Here is a glimpse into how their past is influencing their present. I was raised to always be on the top, to be the top of the class. (laughs) And always worked as hard as possible. When I had a setback, I was told to move on. When I fell off my bike, my mom said, get up, don't dwell on it. There was very little feelings and sharing of emotions in my family. As an adult, the depth of closeness among the team I lead at work is shallow, and in my small group, I'm rarely vulnerable. I'm unable to say no to any new project at work or need, a need at church. I am exhausted. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well done. I grew up in a loving family, closely identifying with my dad, especially with his emotions of anger, guilt, and worry. I took on the responsibility to make sure he felt better. If he didn't recover from his negative feelings, I felt guilty. I would try to rescue him by always doing the right thing. As an adult, I relate to others in the same way. I'm a great caretaker, fixer, and make sure everyone is okay. There is little time for me to feel or be my own separate person. I'm tired and lonely. (laughs)
0: Married her. <laughs> Steve and Nancy realized the family dynamics they grew up in were still affecting them in different ways in their daily lives. In difficult ways in their daily lives. They had begun allowing God to reparent them. I found it difficult to begin expressing weakness to others at work or in small group. I'm learning to speak up. I'm learning to speak up when something bothers me to feel and not just function as a machine.
1: It was difficult for me to stop being responsible for everyone at home and at church. Taking care of myself, resting, and having fun made me feel horrible at first, like I was betraying an unspoken rule. It's been slowly getting easier as the
0: Lord teaches me a new way. Is
1: that the end?
0: Well, we think so. Unless we ran out of ink.
1: Um, That is the end. Let's clap for them. (laughs) Oh, can I have one back? (laughs) So what I loved about this example is it's so normal. Like, in a sense, there's really nothing wrong with, like, get back on your bike, you know, move on, don't dwell on it. Um, It's just really normal things. Like, you have to be the top of the class. But to see, well, like, wait a minute. In my adult life, if I always have to be this high achiever and I can never say no to anything, well, that affects my emotional health. That affects my ability to put God first and my family time first because I'm always saying yes to every need at work. And um, and I loved Nancy's example. She grew up in a lovely in a loving family, and um, but. I can relate to part of her story, and maybe you can, where there was a parent that you really took on a responsibility to care for their emotions, and you never really, you know, you, you cared about that more than ever looking at how you felt or how you're doing. And in your adult life, then it's really hard to um, take care of yourself or take time to rest because you 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 know didn't learn that. And so hopefully that was just a little fun helpful example of how that can play out and how God can reparent us. And I also love how when they were beginning to talk about how it's going with being reparented, it's difficult. Like it wasn't like, "Oh, light switch and now I'm totally able to, you know, it's actually really painful at first to go like, "Wait, you know, my mom, who, I, who I've always cared for, or my dad, who I've always cared for emotionally, like, I have to give them to you to care for. It's not my job anymore, and it's like, can just feel like a part of you is being ripped out. But it's healthy, and it's part of our emotional healthy journey to, to do these things. And, and for Steve, where he had to begin expressing weakness and how hard that was at first, but the more it was met with love and acceptance, the little bit easier it got and now he can be a more emotionally healthy person. All right, so um, just to wrap everything up here today, in conclusion, our discipleship must include an honest reflection of the positive and negative impact of our family of origin as well as other major influences from our past. This is hard work. Uh, but the extent to which we go back and understand how it has shaped us will determine our level of awareness, our ability to break destructive patterns, and pass on constructive legacies and grow in love toward God and other people. Let's stand and pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. And um, I just thank you for each and every person in this room, thank, and thank you for our past. Um, we're thankful for the families we grew up in, the, the place and time that we were born, and um, we just honor that. Um, but help us to be willing to look back and, and objectively see how things are impacting us today. Help us to be willing to look back, Lord. And um, for some of us where that might be scary because our, our past is so um, dark and horrible and we work really hard to never have to look back, Lord, that you would just begin to love on that person and, and um, take them by the hand and let them know that they're not alone in this and that you desire to bring emotional health and you restore every, every brokenness and um, we can allow you to reparent us. And so we just engage in that this week, Lord. Help us to um, say yes to the reparenting process of you showing us another way to give and receive love. And help us to engage with um, supporting our brothers and sisters as as you're reparenting them, that we could come alongside and help that process in them. So I just thank you for your work in our hearts, We love you, Jesus. Amen.